got a real good feeling. You're listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast with Crypto Jeb, bringing you the best and most updated news about cryptocurrency. Tune in every morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch this podcast live on our YouTube channel. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. In this episode of Coffee and Crypto, we guys are going to be talking about the future of the Bitcoin price. We're going to be tying in not only the Roman Empire and its history of currency clipping, we're going to be talking about the United States Central Bank, the Federal Reserves. We're also going to be talking about the European Central Bank. We're going to be talking about all kinds of different historical precedents and the fact that right now, interest rates are hitting an all-time high in Europe and here in the United States. And we have quite a bit to talk about as far as interest rates are concerned. Are we seeing a massive fundamental shift in the way that we have to do analysis on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? Are we seeing a fundamental decision point and inflection point in cryptocurrencies? We're going to be talking about all of that and more in this episode of Coffee and Crypto Live. We have a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be kicking it off with some Bitcoin and crypto technical analysis. Then we're going to be jumping into the European Central Bank. Some stories over there. We're going to talk about Janet Yellen. She just apologized for downplaying inflation back in March because now it is starting to get out of hand. The U.S. government rarely apologizes. What does that mean? We're going to be looking at all of these interest rates and the decisions that are coming out on June the 9th and June the 15th. A lot of very important data that we're going to aggregate for you today, and we're going to show you how it's going to impact your currencies and how it's going to impact your cryptos here in your investments. I am also joined, as always, by T.A. Tam. How are you doing, Tam? What's up, everybody? Guess what? New tradition starting today. It is the first show of the month, which means from here on out, the first show of every single month all Super Chats will be going to Life for the Innocent, yep. which is an organization that helps get children out of trafficking, both sex trafficking and organ trafficking. Uh, right now they're in India, but they actually that's a ministry that wants to go worldwide with that. So I'm super excited because like I said, yeah. literally every single dollar that is given to Super Chat, not a single cent goes to our company today. This will all go to Life for the Innocent. There's also a link in the description down below if you want to give directly to them because unfortunately YouTube takes 30%, I think, of the Super Chats. And we, we tried doing the donation thing and I guess they're not an approved whatever so that's stupid but so if you want to give directly to them link in the description down below uh but if you want to you know support the channel you're not supporting us today if you want to give a shout out you want us to call your name uh everything you give that we would receive we're sending a check directly to life for the innocent yeah. absolutely this is a really great cause so please 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 give us tons of super chats and then yeah. use the link to donate because this I would, is all going yeah. to good kids who need it if you're so. ever on the fence about super chats and you're like, I don't want to do too many of them. I would prefer you guys always do shows like this rather yeah. than any other show. The first show right. every month. So. We're also joined, as always, by Smay, who talked before he was introduced. <sighs> All right, guys. I am here. I'm doing well. Um, I, and I just would like to uh, I would like to say some green names uh, because Ooh. that just gets me going every morning. Uh, so I have Elliot Locke, Groovy, Sultan of Salt. Uh, who else we got here? A lot of back and forth here. Uh, Agent Gold, Siobhan Golay, uh, Matt C. Uh, who else we got here? Adam Rourke. Uh, wow, a lot of the same people talking. Dennis Pizarka, Crypto Couple. I'm going to just start saying some off the top of my name. Uh, Crypto Sarah, Philly Fan, oh. a, uh, 61, Cyberfix Amaka. Online, SEO Texas, Whoa. JoJo, Grand Roofing Incorporated. Grand Roofing oh, my gosh. Like Tom days. Wilkes, Brad Geidel. I love all of you guys. You're the best. Uh, back to you, Jeb. That is pretty cool. And by the way, Tim, you have been 
not affiliated with, but you've known Life for the Innocent for yeah. many years. This is not just some, just so you guys know, yeah. this is not just some organization that we Google, like, hey, how do we help kids? No. Like, they've been working with the church that we know for like 10 years. So yeah. th- we know them very well, actually. Tim, can you speak to that just a little bit for our audience who well, doesn't know them as what well? What I love about them is they're also not a ministry that just says, come all, be all, we want you to come join the team. They, they literally, the way they work is they have to go underground they have people boots on the ground who have to go into these shops and literally buy children. So the money that you send will go go towards a literally having to buy these children out of slavery, then sending them to a home for rehabilitation. Because you can only imagine a lot of these children growing up being trafficked. Some of them for sex, some of them for organs. You know, uh, it's ridiculous the trauma that they've had. So they have to go to a home where even some of those don't end up making it. They end up dying from the trauma. But they put them through rehabilitation, and then they go to fund helping find special homes that can handle this type of trauma to get these kids adopted so that they have forever homes. It It's a very, very sad story when you hear everything they have to go through, yeah. but it's so rewarding. And so it is one of those things. Uh, I, have, I have known of this ministry now for, I believe, 10 years. And I cannot think of a single organization. I'm not saying others aren't good. I can't think of a single organization doing more and better use case of money. Like the, what money they get, it's not like these people are patting their pockets whatsoever. The, all of this money is going straight to these children. Yeah. And so uh, I give every time I have an opportunity, I give to this organization. Yeah, they, they fight very hard to um, they fight very hard to, you know, free those kids. And it, it, it really is a beautiful thing, guys. It's, yeah. it's a great ministry opportunity. And, ju- and just so you guys know, we don't go around bragging about this because we don't, you know, left hand not know what the right hand is doing. But just to encourage you guys that we put our money where our mouth is, 10% of company profits go to ministry activity and in quarter one, we were able to give, I think it was $12,000 to Life for the Innocent. Yeah. We were very excited to be able to do that. We have different ministry partners. That was a portion of the profits, but we were able to give a lot of money to them. And we hope that you guys will partner with us in that because we also like to give our profits to them. So thank you guys for that. I think the very first thing that we ought to be doing with our money is giving to God. So thank you guys so very much for partnering us with uh, with us on that. But now we are going to go ahead and move in here to the show. As you guys know, there is quite a bit to talk about. Let's go ahead and jump on over to CoinMarketCap. Give me a second before you switch to my screen. Man, I got to pull it up. There we go. Got it. Click on the draw right there. I caught Jeez. you with your pants down. You on caught that me one. with my pants down. Yeah, I switched too quick. They don't even know if I'm that's wearing an, pants. That's an expression. What the I know. Heck? Why do you choose that expression? Okay. They don't even know if I'm wearing <laughs> pants, May. For all you know, my pants could have been down. It's when just the a started. common expression. I'm not trying to be inappropriate. There's uh, a lot of common expressions they, we should not pe- use. All the people know is they can't see right. my. They can, they can only see my shirt. All right, back to you, know. Jeb. Back Anywho, to you, Jeb. That's already on me. Anywho, Bitcoin's trading at $31,700 right now, up 1%. Ethereum trading at 1960 up 1%. Binance up 1%. Cardano down 1.84%. If you watched the video yesterday, I said that Cardano could go to 90 cents before it drops all the way down to below 40. Could be a 50% rise, then a 50 plus percent drop. Definitely go back and watch that video. Bitcoin up 7% on the week. Cardano up 17% on the week. Definitely very excited about that. One of the things I want to point out to you guys right now is the Bitcoin dominance. Let's take a look at this over here on the uh, dominance charts on the uh, on uh, coin market cap right here the thing I want you to notice is that Bitcoin dominance is starting to take off ever since the beginning of last month we saw dominance sitting at 41 and a half percent by the end of that month uh, three days ago which is the last time that this updated we saw that dominance on Bitcoin was sitting at 45.77 percent that indicates to me that interest in the altcoins is being lost especially a lot of that interest has come from ethereum we've seen flight from ethereum you know order to the 
order of 2% market dominance in a month, and all of it basically went to Bitcoin. We've seen a dom uh, dominance leave, uh, dominance actually go into Tether. Tether's actually gained dominance, so people are going into Bitcoin and Tether right now. We've also seen dominance go into USD coin. It went from 3% up to 4.5%. So what does that mean? That means that people are pulling back away from more speculative altcoins, such as Ethereum. It's funny to call Ethereum a speculative altcoin, but it is the biggest speculative altcoin. They're pulling money away from speculative altcoins like Ethereum, even away from Cardano. It was at 1.6%. Now it's at 1.3%. They're pulling money away from those altcoins, and they're putting it into stable coins, which is questionable considering what just happened to UST. But they're also putting it into Bitcoin. It is undeniable right now that people are moving more into cash, if you will. You could call Bitcoin cash in the cryptocurrency market. It is the closest thing that we have to a stable asset that's not pegged to an external asset like the US dollar and its derived stable coins. What's the point here? The point here is that people are hunkering down for winter. They're actually following the non-financial advice, friendly advice that we've talked about. And that is, hey, be very careful about getting overexposed to the different altcoins right now. If you're jumping into Cardano, if you're jumping into Ethereum, and you're not jumping even more into Bitcoin or into literally US dollars, not even so much stable coins, but literal US dollars, you could be making a mistake because a lot of these altcoins are going to outpace Bitcoin to the upside when the bull market starts. But on the bear market, Market, they're going to outpace Bitcoin to the downside. Yes, Bitcoin is going through a little bull a little bull trap right now, and we could see a rally all the way up to 36 to 38k, as we talked about in yesterday's stream. But until we see the bull market resume, you're going to make you're going to retain more of your money sitting in Bitcoin more than likely than you are in the altcoins. And I'm happy to see that people in the cryptocurrency space are starting to realize that, and they're starting to move more into Bitcoin. Tim, even before we get into our Bitcoin TA, what do you make of people? You know, focusing on uh, Bitcoin and cash right now. Do you think that's the wise move, or should people be going out of their way to scoop up more altcoins than they normally would? Yeah, I mean, in a, in a if if people are reading this correctly, and we do think Bitcoin is going to be climbing up, but ultimately, I do think cash in this season is going to be maybe even um, it's going to outpace even Bitcoin, but more so than any of their altcoin. That's the thing is during bull runs. All, you're going to make more money in altcoins because they the volatility is greater. Anytime Bitcoin moves 1%, a lot of these altcoins are moving at least 2 if not 3 4 or 5 6%. But guess what that means? In a bear market, when we're going down, Bitcoin will only go down 1%. And in the same time frame, projects like Cardano or Solana or whatever will go down like 5%. So it, it is definitely more of a hedge in protecting. Continue to hold your supply. Continue to accumulate more Bitcoin as the prices go down. That makes it nice and cheap to buy. But those altcoins, you know... The difference between it, it doesn't feel like the difference between a dollar and fifty cents is that significant on Cardano, for example. But that's that's a fifty percent reduction right there. Yeah, that is that's that two is years of inflation in the, so, in the US. Yeah. Uh, not that I, I'm still happy with any purchase I made to Cardano at one dollar. I still long term I'm happy with that purchase. Yeah. But of course, my portfolio right now is sitting at fifty percent of what it could have been sitting at if I had held off on. So you know, it's it's one of those things. I, I am way more I way more in the boat when I'm coming to my DCAing and my investing right now. If I want to invest anything in crypto, I'm I'm holding a lot of cash. There's some stuff. I would invest. I'm going to hold off for right now because I do think there's a dip coming here in a little bit later, but uh, I wouldn't do anything but Bitcoin right now. I think that is exactly what we should be doing. Guys, if you're watching today's stream, if you're excited about today's stream, if you're looking forward to today's stream, smash that like button. We got over a thousand people watching, almost 1,100 people watching. Make sure to go ahead and hit that like button. I know we can get to 350 likes here in the next five minutes. Really appreciate it. By the way, the, um, the Club DeFi closed beta filled up entirely, so all 200 seats are now gone. It was closed anyway by now. So just so you guys know, the closed beta on Club DeFi is now closed again. Open registration has closed, but there will be more seats opening up at some point in the future. We're, not, we're just not going to tell you when just yet. 
But uh, be on the lookout for it. For everybody who did get into Club DeFi, if you're not in the Discord server, make sure you go ahead and do that. If you guys don't know how to do that and you need a little bit of help, feel free to email supportercryptojeb.com. There is a way to connect your clubdefi.com account to the Discord server so that you can join over there and have a conversation with us. And also make sure to look out for office hours because there are two of those happening every single week. Don't want to miss out on those either. We're going to go ahead and jump into some Bitcoin technical analysis, though. We need to take a look at the last couple of days as you guys know bitcoin had been in a symmetrical triangle pattern and it broke it started to break bearish out of it back tested down to exactly where lux algo said that it would remember guys how lux algo called this bottom i'm talking about dang near perfect i don't know if it could have called it any better the take profit was sitting at 28364 we literally saw two wicks jump down there if you had an automatic take profit order down there you would have caught you would have literally caught a wick on the bottom that is only visible on like the hourly chart phenomenal bottom lux algo didn't just give us a take profit signal though we also have green trend catcher here because of the bounce that we saw over the last couple of days if we do see bitcoin rally up to probably I would say probably thirty-four dollars to $35,000. We may end up seeing a strong buy signal followed by a relatively quick turnover. Yeah, we If we do go all the way up to thirty-eight, dollars $40,000, which is the stop loss up here, then that would give us the opportunity to make a small trade to the upside. Want to probably be careful on that. If you're trying to trade this bull, uh, if you're trying to trade this bull trap, this little bullish bounce right here, you're betting against the primary trend, so it's going to be difficult to do that safely. So I would be careful doing that, but there is potentially money to be made there. Lux Algo is going to give you a very big leg up on that. But I also just want you guys to keep in mind that this little rally that we've seen right here is already potentially running out of steam. As you can see, we've been trading sideways for 24 hours here. We rallied all the way up to $32,500. Right now we're trading at $31,500, building a little sideways accumulation formation right here. Now there is a chance that we're building a bull flag and this bull flag will rocket us all the way up to 35 and a half. But there's also just a chance that we're getting overextended on RSI. As you can see, yesterday we rallied all the way up to 82, indicating that we were way too far. There is also a chance that this bearish MACD cross on the four hour chart is going to have some weight and it's going to drop the market back down to 30k and you know there is also a chance that things like td sequential getting massively overextended jumping all the way up to nine and then ignoring it for eight or nine candlesticks is going to cause bitcoin to run out of steam oh by the way we also got massively overextended on the bollinger bands there's really not a lot of great news here when it comes to the fact that there's a lot of resistance right here even on the four hourly chart take a look at the 204 hourly simple moving average it is sitting right above us as resistance we're at a decision point right now and a lot of the short-term technicals are potentially calling for another drop maybe down to 30k tim do you think that we're going to see a drop down here on the four hourly chart to backtest support around 30k before we continue to the upside or do you agree that we are or not agree because i don't think this do you think that instead we're actually just in a bull flag and we're going to break that 204 hourly simple moving average before you know it you know absolutely you can come down to 30,600 30, i don't know if you're on my chart right now smay or not but you can if you would like to uh we absolutely could drop back down here retest this former resistance now turned support i mean you know that would solidify that it is support there's no guarantee of that though and and so this is what we've had yesterday. There's not a lot of new breaking stuff with technical analysis yesterday. You know, we're dropping right now 31.4, although we're still kind of in this sideways, boring range. Th this is the one thing I say that you guys should know. There are two numbers that people are throwing out big term, and I'll go out to my daily chart to show this. A lot of people are looking at 37, 38,000. That's what I have my line for right here. And a lot of people are looking back for another 25,000, if not go lower to 22. Here's the one thing I probably, you know, nothing is absolute. 
but I can just about guarantee you we are not going to hit either one of those marks anytime soon within the next couple of days, if not next couple of weeks. Get ready for some volatility. Get ready for a lot of price movements, a lot of fake outs. Just as you think that we're going to the downside, we're going to move to the upside. And just as you think, okay, we're ready to rally towards 37,000, we're going to move to the downside. And every time we start to break key levels of support and we're headed down, people, oh, this is it. We're going back down. And then we're going to rally back up to the top. This is a shakeout of shakeouts. This is what happens in these sideways markets. The reason why I do believe we will see a 37 though and before we see a 25 is because again we are working right now based off of just hitting support back here a couple of weeks ago the next trajectory is to head towards this descending red line right here I do expect us to get there but I don't expect it to be this straight line I don't think we should just think that we're just going to shoot up boom I, I really do expect us to have some play here maybe come down and touch here then shoot up and everyone's oh we're going up and then we're going to come back down again and then we're going to shoot it's it's going to be a little bit of a time to get up here, and then we drop down, and we probably do a little slow dance right here all the way down to this support level again before a breakout. We will see, but rarely, like this this big green candlestick right there on the daily chart, that is not a common occurrence. That's not something you should say, oh, we had one here a couple days ago, so that's going to happen again. That is not a guarantee. I expect it to be a very volatile up and down transition to 37 before another up and down transition down to 25 at least if not 22. Absolutely well great analysis there Tim let's go ahead and take a look at the monthly chart because we actually have a lot of big updates out there as you guys know today is the first of the month so we do have a monthly chart candlestick close we're going to look here on a chart other than BLX for just a moment because BLX takes a day to roll over so it actually doesn't show the new candlestick yet but we did see that a second red candlestick in a row has now been printed with that close at $31,700. If the market is able to maintain above 31.7, then we would likely end up having a green candlestick. Well, we definitely would end up having a green candlestick. Here's the tricky part with that. During the last two major corrections on Bitcoin, we've seen three red in a row. We've not seen two, we've seen three, and then we saw a green candlestick that followed. Take a look at how important the green candlestick being engulfing was, by the way. If we look at the last three times, last four times that we saw major, I'm not talking about small, I'm talking about major bullish engulfing candlesticks that represented major bottoms on the market. Those last three times that we saw bullish engulfing candlesticks, that actually was pretty important for the bottom. Then we see some times where we thought we were bottoming like like here and like here, and we didn't see bullish engulfing candlesticks. Here is another example. That indicated that the market was not actually bottoming out and that we were not going to go back into an uptrend. What is my point? If we do see a green candlestick, it's pretty important what kind of green candlestick it is. If we see a green candlestick that closes here at $35,000, then you're most likely just going to see another red candlestick after it, creating a red, green, red, and that's going to push us back down in the same way that a green that 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 this did right here. This is what I'm talking about. Look here in September, October, and November of 2019. We saw a red candlestick, then we saw a green. We're like, okay, great. We see a green candlestick. Problem is, one, it's a spinning top, which indicates that there's no real clear direction, uh, which is not a great sign for bulls. And two, you saw a red candlestick that followed it the next month. That red, green, red certainly was not a bullish indicator. Just because you saw a green candlestick did not mean that you were out of the woods. I mean, it's kind of like what we saw over here in 2013, 14, uh, very end of 2013, moving into 14. Saw a green candlestick that followed a big red, but then we saw another red, and then we just continued to the downside. So I'm really interested to see what this monthly candlestick looks like. Are we going to see a green candlestick? If so, is it engulfing? For it to be engulfing, it would have to close above $38,000. If it does that, great. 
great. Maybe that indicates we found some kind of, of, of longer-term bottom. This, to be honest with you, only, only strengthens my feeling that we're not going to close the monthly chart above 38. I would be very surprised at this point if we did. We're probably going to see a, a green candlestick that is smaller than the red. Then we'll see a red candlestick here in July. And from there, that's probably when we will be dropping down to much lower levels. And that makes sense because if we go back to the weekly chart here and we take a look at our weekly chart movement. We do see a bullish engulfing green candlestick right here, but we're looking at a dead cap bounce followed by a drop going down into July and September. That would look just like what I just described on the monthly chart. And it would also follow along with our wave uh, four correction that we're seeing here on BLX. We would see that take place through the month of June. Then in July, we would probably start our descent, our descent back down to our absolute low around $22,500. Now, the good news is that floor does keep rising because that floor, I think, is going to take place here at the 200 weekly simple moving average. Whatever happens, whether, whether we trade sideways for the next year and get there or we go through a bounce and then a drop, which I think is much more likely, I do think we're going to see a, a test of the, of the 200 weekly simple moving average at this point. We've seen it happen during all three previous bear markets, and we could even ride that for a little while. But the point is, we're probably going to see a low 20s, but in the next couple of months, next couple of weeks, excuse me, we will probably see a bounce. Now, as far as the short-term bounce, that's what we were talking about a second ago. We're probably going to see a back test, in my opinion anyway. I think we're going to see a back test against the 204-hourly SMA. It's sitting right here. We've tested it twice and rejected hard against it. I think you're going to back test, like Tim said, to 30,600, which is based on these highs that were set on the 19th of May and the 23rd of May, or test all the way back down to 30K, maybe even down to 28.6, and then we could see that bounce up to 36 to 38,000, and then see that that topping out. Tim, do you have any final thoughts on that? We have our short-term bounce, and then we also want to look at how it plays into this monthly chart paradigm of uh, what that candlestick will look like. So yeah, what are your thoughts? I think I think the last thing I'll say here, I'm going down on the 15-minute chart, so this is where the, the traders will be looking, and, and you're starting to see some volume coming in. Yes, these are red candles coming with it, but a lot of times we see these peaks come with changes in direction. So the question is, is this volume going to tell us this, this that's not a top? So like I, I wouldn't say that volume coming in. I actually think that there's a lot of bears getting exhausted here trying to make sales. I wouldn't be surprised, Jeb, you know, absolutely Bitcoin could come down to this 30,600. And the 15-minute chart, that's giving us a good window into the next couple of hours, maybe the rest of the day. But I would not be surprised uh, if we see a, a, at least, if we're heading down here, a, a little rally back up uh, around 31, maybe even touch 32 again before that dip. But what I'm seeing right now on the smaller time frames is there is a little bit of fighting now going on between bulls and bears that we haven't had here since uh, let's see yesterday around uh, 11 45 so it's, we haven't had a lot of volume going on for the last 24 hours that's starting to come back into the space that's right well let's go ahead and move here a little bit early into super chats because we have like 15 of them we so do thank we you got, guys so much for that super chats thank you guys so much for that by the way if you just tuned into the show and you didn't hear the announcement every single last penny that we receive from super chats today will be going to life for the innocent.org you're more than welcome to check them out i've been uh familiar with the organization for the last three years or so tim's been familiar with them for the last 10 years they are very close partners with our church so we do know the people we kind of we know the people that work there a lot of them are anonymous so we can't go talking about that for the safety but the point is we know the people that run it this is a well-run organization you are more than welcome to vet them for yourself please do in fact but just so you know every penny of super chats will go to them they help uh, save children from sex and organ trafficking it is a 
terrible, terrible travesty that uh, is happening to these kids. And it is a wonderful thing that Life of the Innocent is doing. The, so thank you for that. The link that we put there, Smay, does that link have their video? Because they have a video that they explain everything that they do. They actually go into detail about what they do. Is that link? I, that I think video? that's just the link to the donation page. That's the okay. donation page. I will, yeah. you know, during during one of the breaks where I'm not talking here next, I will look up to see if there's a video that I can post because they, they do have a video. They, they explain everything that they do. Mm -hmm. And it is, um, man, it's it's heavy. It, yeah. Anyway, let's keep let's read through these. Uh, and I just want to start by saying thank you to everyone who gave. Yes, Corey, thank you. Uh, Corey said, guys, I want to thank you for everything. Been here for a year and a half. I turned 30 today. Happy birthday, Corey. Happy birthday. Uh, I don't feel like I'm 30, but thanks to Jeb and the team, I have, I'll have financial sovereignty because of you guys and my Lord no. and Savior. Uh, it's because of your Lord and Savior, and then it's because of your work, and then yeah. I guess we may have helped a little bit. So thank you for that. Welcome uh, welcome to the three. Welcome. Congrats on the 3-0 club. I'm not 30. I kind of feel yeah. 30 sometimes. But. <laughs> Matt C. gave saying, thank you for helping those that cannot help themselves. We all need to try to do our part. Well, that's the thing is that we really can't. Nobody can help themselves. That's why we yeah. need Jesus. And that, that's the beautiful thing is that is that we, we are hopelessly incapable of helping ourselves. We need our Savior to help us in any way. Mm. And uh, that so the the, the thanks go, definitely goes to him. Um, let's see here. Tim France said, Dear Smay, the Celtics stink. <laughs> Way to donate and get a shot in there. Boo. Uh, what, Gia, are you going to boo them donating, Smith? GS, GS. No, donate again. Say the same thing again. I'll appreciate the donation. <laughs> GS is thank you. This isn't your day, Smay. <laughs> I meant like Gia, life on behalf it's okay, of It's okay. GS says thanks for all you do. Thank you, Gia. Thank you, Gia. Uh, we got one from DJ Rolling Rick saying thank you. Uh, yeah, a lot of thank yous here. Yeah, uh, thank Brad Geidel saying thank you. B uh, B8S4, everything helps, guys. Uh, how do you say that one? Alien said go sports. It's always good. Go, go sports, sports ball. Uh, Smay, Smay said Celtics will win in the finals. He uh, Let's see. He, Smay gave a couple of here. Smay, Celtics will win the finals. Donate to Life for the Innocent. I think another one he said he was in, uh, embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> Grand Roofing Incorporated said just Grand wanted to say any day you wake up breathing is a great day. Go Club DeFi. Go Club DeFi. Yeah, yeah definitely. And go, go for the positive Positivity. Mike Grand Markle Urban. said, uh, hey, you guys are incredible in doing such a tremendous job. If you are going through Thank something, you, you got this. If you're doing great, check on your friends. We That's all right. need to be checked on sometimes. That's right. Life for the innocent. That's absolutely yeah. right. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing good. Dude, that's good. Spe I'm doing good. Speaking of that, I am uh, I'm going to the second funeral tomorrow that I've been to in a month. So I've been around a lot of death lately. Yeah. So I'm just going to be blunt <laughs> with you that there are people out there that need your help. Yep. And, and and checking on them, you never know when you could be, you know, part and partial of, of helping to save a life by checking on somebody. So I, I take that message that Mike Markle said really seriously. And yeah. I hope that you guys do, too. So, uh, yeah. Last couple here, and then we can jump back into some um, content. Blaze Sunk One just donated. Thank you so much, Shivang Golay donated. Um, and, and Shivang, I believe Shivang, you're in India. I think Life of the Innocent at this point Life is the solely India. In, in in India, yeah. India. So, uh, you know, shout out to everyone, everyone who's listening from India. We love they're you guys. They're based in Colorado, I think. But uh, they're in I think India. they're yeah, their American base is they're in a US Colorado, based, but then yeah. they their their operating is in India. Yep. I'm not sure all the cities. I think they're in a couple different cities. Crypto yeah. Crab Man said, thanks for streaming. Chris Mo yeah. said, Lil something for the kids. Thanks for doing what y'all do. Yeah, thank you guys. And we're going to go ahead. I'm sure there's going to be more. We'll read those here towards the end of the stream. And also, thank you so much, everybody. And also, guys, if you guys want to do a really big investment, uh, an investment, well, I mean, it is an investment because you're storing up your treasures in heaven. But um, if, you do, if you do want to give the life for the innocent, super chats, every penny of them that we receive goes to them. Um, 
we only get 70% of it because YouTube takes a 30% cut. So if you want to make a really big donation, then make sure you do it through the link down below yeah. because all not because they're going to get all of the money. So make sure you check that out. Uh, we do have two more, and we do have three minutes technically until we're supposed to go you on the next segment. That? Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. We got uh, Grand Roofing Incorporated. It says, I'm not a sports fan. have no clue who or what sports the Celtics are, but go Celtics. <laughs> That's guy. the right energy right that's there. A, that's just a good supporting friend right there. Tom Wilkes said, sorry, I'm tardy class. Hoping everyone is having a great day. Having a pretty good day, yeah. Uh, and you said day. there was one more. That's the only two I, I saw that, there. I think that was them right there. Yeah, I think that was it. I think that was them. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and move into our next segment here. Any more Super Chats, we will read at the end of the show. But let's go ahead and jump into our discussion here. Could this be the big moment that Bitcoin realizes it's God-given ability of being an inflation hedge. Could this be the moment that things change fundamentally? What's the point here? Right now, inflation is getting out of control. There was a spark that was lit in the forest about two and a half years ago. It went by the name of beep, beep, beep. I can't say it on YouTube still. It's two and a half years and I still can't say it. It was the pandemic. I can say that word. I just can't say the word of what the pandemic is. A spark was lit in the forest. And what the Forest Service did, we'll call the U.S. federal government the Forest Service. What the Forest Service did is they said, okay, great. There's a little forest fire. Let's let it be a controlled fire. We're going to go ahead and print money. We're going to go ahead and give out stimulus checks. We're going to go ahead and print $6 trillion in two years. We're going to go ahead and keep interest rates slammed to the floor throughout all of this. And we're going to let the stock market grow and grow and grow while Main Street's making zero and they're losing out on everything and they're going bankrupt through a recession that didn't show up because the currency was getting inflated so it looked like we had quarter over quarter GDP growth. Wall Street was making trillions and Main Street was suffering. Plywood was $40 a sheet. It's $120 now. Gasoline, I bought a gallon of gas for $1.49 in uh, summer of 2020. That same gas station is selling gas for nearly $5 a gallon right now. Prices are up 200% on a lot of consumer goods over the last two and a half years. There are people that I know that run construction companies that bought trucks for their businesses and put 100,000 miles on them in the last two years, and dealers are calling asking to buy them back for more than they paid for them. When Charles Hoskinson came on this channel, he said he bought different fuel tanks for $12,000 a piece. He's got people coming back now, this was three months ago, saying, hey, we want to buy them for 18. Used. Inflation has gotten out of control. Why did I mention Rome in the beginning of this stream? Well, let me just tell you a little bit of a story to kind of lay the foundation and the groundwork because Solomon said in, Sol in Proverbs, history just repeats itself. Actually, he said that in Ecclesiastes. History just repeats itself. There's nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new under the sun. What we're going through right now is the exact same thing that humanity has always been going through, just masquerading under new technology. One of the reasons Rome fell was because they destroyed their currency. What Rome did at its height, we're talking about 100, 200 AD. This is when this started occurring. They started clipping their coins. They started reducing the gold and silver content in their coins and replacing it with lower quality metals, more, uh, more common metals like bronze and copper. And when they did that, they were able to have more coins, but the coins were all worth less. What they did is they started clipping their coins. That's where the term clipping your coins comes from. You clip out some of the, some of the gold or silver content, add in a different metal, so so you lower the gold content and you 
and you in turn devalue the currency. This happened in uh, in West Africa with the agribeads. This is something that the 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 Portuguese came down, the 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 Spanish came down, the the Europeans came down with glass making technology. In West Africa, you had to find these little glass beads on the seashore, and then they were used as currency. So there was a limited supply of them. Instead of that limited supply continuing, Europeans came down with their glass making technology, made. I'm talking trillions of these things completely blew up the economy and destroyed the economy of West Africa. You saw the same thing happen in Polynesia. By the way, I'm getting all these references from the Bitcoin standard from Safadian Almas. Make sure you read that book if you haven't. You saw uh, 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 the, 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 these different stones that some of the Polynesians would use as currency. Westerners started coming over with these giant stones and inflating the currency by dropping the stones here, and they completely devalued the currency. What's my point here? This is something that humanity has done over and over and over and over again. There, are tr there were tribes in North America that used shark teeth. So shark teeth started getting imported. It devalued the currency. There were, there are current, there are cultures all around the world that uses, that use seashells. They started importing seashells, devalued the currency, completely blew it up, destroyed it. When you start messing with the supply of a currency, you will eventually lead to the downfall of that civilization. That's what has happened countless times in human history. You saw it happen to Rome. You saw it happen in West Africa. You saw it happen in Polynesia. You saw it happen in North America. You saw it happen in you know, tribal communities all around the world. All around the world. It's happened dozens of times, hundreds of times. And we think, Janet Yellen thinks, Jerome Powell thinks, Joe Biden thinks, the, the Senate, the, the U.S. House of Representatives. By the way, I'm not saying the Democrats think this. I'm not saying the Republicans think this. I'm saying every single economist nearly in the world, in the modern way that our economy is set up, thinks that we are going to be different, that we're going to be able to handle inflation better, that we, have a, that we have a dial on it. We have a knob on it now. We're smarter than all those people. We've learned. We're never going to let the Great Depression happen again. We're not going to go through everything that happened in the credit crisis in the 20s. No, we're smarter than that. We have banking regulation. It's not the way it works. There's a crisis going on right now. It's very simple. When you inflate the currency and you start manipulating the, the, the supply of the currency, it affects everything. It is a cancer that is malignant, and it will affect every single part of your economy. So what's the point here? Let's get to it. There is all-time high inflation going on in the Eurozone. Eurozone inflation jumps to a new record at 8.1%. I have it sitting right here. You can see the Eurozone area inflation rate going back to 1991. The highest that we'd ever seen was 5.05% in June of 1991. Currently, it's sitting at 8.1%. We rallied from the Eurozone inflation data here around Christmas of 2020 from negative inflation. It was at negative 0.3%, per, uh, rallied all the way up to 8% in less than two years. This is the largest growth, fastest growth in the inflation of the Eurozone. This is not just the currency, by the way. This is everything in history. This is ridiculous. If you look at the interest rates, however, the euro area in interest rates are sitting at zero. They've been at zero ever since the beginning of 2016. They were dropping down from 4.77% around 2000, from 4.24% around 08, all the way down to zero, and they've stayed down there. You know, we look at the U.S. interest, U.S. Federal Reserve and how they're raising interest rates. You can see how they've jumped them a little bit up to 1%, and we may be seeing that go to 1.5 here on June the 15th. We're we'll talk about that in a little bit. The euro area has kept them at 0%. That is a really big deal because what that means is that when the currency is getting out of control and you're seeing rampant inflation going on in the eurozone, 
The interest rates are not going up to try and curtail that. If you raise the interest rates, the theory goes anyway, that you can start to slow down inflation because you slow down the economic processes and you make things, you make money, you literally make money more expensive because you can go and borrow money for less. If they start raising the interest rate, the Eurozone is in a much worse economic position than we are in America, just so you know. You think it's bad in the US, they've got negative interest rates going on in a lot of places over in the Eurozone. Gas is $10 a gallon, $2.60 a liter over there is how they would measure it. They have major catastrophe, uh, major economic concerns going on over there in the euro area. Tim, I want to ask your opinion on the eurozone and what they're seeing with their inflation data, their interest rates. Do you think that we're going to see big interest rates uh, hikes going into the euro area the same way that we do the U.S. soon? I don't know. I, I, that's one I have no idea because I don't know. I'm not involved with how the euro works. I do know the euro has had many, 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 many issues before. I also know Europe is a very interesting uh you know, it's not, it's a continent, but made up the, the Euro is covers a lot of different countries. And a lot of those countries, I would say, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of policies they have there. So I, I leave that one with, a, I don't know, but I do know historically it hasn't always been the greatest decision-making uh, group in the world. So, yeah. So here's another article I want to show you guys. I was wrong. Treasury secretary Janet Yellen concedes she misread threat of inflation. Now she's actually said a lot in this article. I don't have time to go through all of it here in today's show, but I will show you this. As I mentioned, there have been unprecedented and large shocks to the economy that boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that I, at the time, didn't fully understand, Yellen told CNN. But we recognize that now. Good on her for saying that she was wrong. That, you know, I'm not going to I'm not gonna sit here and falter for saying, oh, well, you should have known that sooner. Well, you should have known that sooner. But I, I would much rather focus on, okay, she's trying to do better, apparently. But I, let me ask you the question. Why do you think somebody that is in charge of a U.S. government, a U.S. federal government agency like Janet Yellen, would come out and apologize. That is a question on our mind. When you see interest rates sitting at zero over in Europe and inflation is getting I'm insanely out of control, why are you seeing politicians coming out and apologizing? It is very rare for a politician to come out and apologize. Normally, they'll just sweep it under the rug and say, okay, well, they'll forget about it by the midterms. That's not what's going on right now. Why is Janet Yellen apologizing for this? Probably because she realized that this is going to get worse. Yes, she realizes that, that she was wrong. Great. But the reason she's probably apologizing for this instead of just saying, okay, people will forget about it is because she and the Treasury, as the Treasury Secretary, probably realizes, hey, inflation is about to get worse. Let me ask you something. If you see the M2 money supply of the U.S. dollar, let me go ahead and grab the chart here over at uh, Fed, Fed St. Louis, this will work. If you see the US M2 money supply jump from 15 trillion all the way up to 21.7 trillion, now a couple trillion of this, we're talking two trillion of this, was from a reclassification of what M2 money is. Now, so, so don't think that it's that big of a jump. It's not a seven trillion, it's like a $5 trillion jump. If you see that jump occur, all of this, all of this right here is money printing. If you see this jump from 18 trillion all the way up to 22 trillion in the span of two years, we're talking like a 20% growth and then you look at M1. Let's go back and look at M1. That's a big one right there. M1 money supply. If you see the amount of money that's being printed, now again, this big hike right here is not actually money printing. This is a reclassification that was done about two years ago in the way these terms are defined. But you saw it jump from, let's just take a look here, from 16 trillion all the way up to 20 trillion. You've seen remarkable growth. It is hidden just how crazy this is. This is a doubling. We were sitting at 4 trillion. Then we added another 4 trillion in two years from May of 2020 until May of 
this year, we went from 16 all the way to 20. Remember, this 16 is equivalent to this four down here. We have doubled the M1 money supply, not including this big jump from recategorization, which kind of hides how bad it is. We have doubled the M1 money supply in the span of two years. That is going to lead to massive inflation. A lot of people think, okay, well, we can harbor 8.5% inflation, as we can see over here on U.S. interest, uh, U.S. Uh, inflation data. We can harbor 8.3% inflation data right here. And that's not that big of a deal because one, uh, we've seen that before. Yes, going back to you know 1920, we saw inflation was at 23%. And then here in 1947, we saw it 18, 19%. Then we saw it at 15% here in 79. That does not mean that this is acceptable. This is disastrous because we have seen such a fundamental change to the way our economy works right now than we've ever seen before. A lot of this inflation did not so much have to do with money printing. It had to do with massive conflict. This was the First World War, and it was also it was right after the First World War. We were recovering from it. This right here was the end of the Second World War. This right here, this was right after Vietnam. This was in the 80s. There was massive inflation for a multitude of reasons having to do with um, uh, oil prices, OPEC, um, uh, oil embargo is coming from OPEC and also having to do with the Soviet Union and conflicts going on there, uh, Cold War era conflicts going on there. This right here has to do with a black swan event, and this has radically changed the way that our currency works forever. So why is the U.S. federal government coming out and apologizing that they were wrong about interest rates if they could just sweep it under the rug and ignore it because it was going to go away by the time the midterms come around? They're not ignoring it, and they're apologizing for it because they want to get on the right side of the voter and start getting on the, quote, right side of history before it's too late because this is going to get worse. You cannot double the money supply and only see 8% inflation a year. That's not the way it works. If I double the supply of Bitcoin and I take the supply of Bitcoin from 19 million to 38 million, the price of Bitcoin gets cut in half. It might take five years to get cut in half, but it will get cut in half. Now, Bitcoin's economy, if you will, its supply chain, if you will, moves much faster. We're talking on the order of hours compared to the global supply chain that take place on the order of several years. But the point is you are going to see the price eventually get cut in half to meet that supply. A lot of economists will say, yes, but there are a lot of things that impact the currency other than just the supply of the currency, such as the price of acquiring raw resources, the price of transporting goods. That's all true. But the problem is all of that has gotten worse since the lockdowns. So you can't say, oh, well, the supply chain is going to make it easier for, for inflation because it's going to get spread out and the currency being devalued and, and the currency being printed is not the only thing impacting inflation. Because guess what? If that were the case and it wasn't going to be as bad of inflation because the supply chain was working well, because raw resource extraction was working well, because everything was functioning the way it should in the real estate market, if that was the case, then we would have to see all of those things functioning well. They're all functioning terribly. We still have backups in the supply chain from two years ago. That, by the way, inflation takes maybe two, three, four, five years to go through the supply chain sometimes because by the time you mine the iron ore that goes into a brand new Tesla, that iron ore could have been mined four years ago with four years ago's prices. So if you mine iron ore right now today with today's prices and it's getting used up in four years going through the supply chain through a hundred different steps and moving around the planet three times as it's being used in final products, then that inflation can take four years to catch up. Money printing that happened two years ago, we're still not feeling the full effects of. We are feeling the effects right now of the very beginning of the money printing that happened starting in March 
of 2020. This is going to get worse before it gets better. And that's why Janet Yellen, Janet Yellen is coming out and apologizing because they realize this is going to get worse, but they're scared to tell people before midterms. That's what's going on here. So why does this all matter? Well, first of all, the ECB looks like they're going to be, by the way, that's the European Central Bank, looks like they might be about to hike interest rates for the first time since uh, March of 2016. You can see that they have not hiked interest rates. Um, they've actually not hiked interest rates since 2011, but interest rates have not um, been above zero since 2016. If they do, that will be the first time interest rates have been increased in the Eurozone for over 10 years. That is going to have huge far-reaching implications because the Eurozone is the second largest economy on the planet. It's pretty much tied with the Chinese economy makes up about a quarter of gross domestic product. If you change anything to do with interest rates and the euro, then you start having implications on things that are happening in Southeast Asia. You start having implications on programs that are going on in Africa. You start having implications on things that are going on in Central and South America. You change the way that currency shift works, shifts and works in the entire world. You change the way that it shifts around, around the world. You change the way that it moves from uh, hand to hand. You change the, uh, the, the reserves that many different nations are using because many of them are holding euros. You change everything. So you get yourself into a very big pickle when you start printing a bunch of money and then you have to raise interest rates to fix it because you printed money, which causes a problem. And then your solution, which fixes that problem, causes another problem. So there's a lot going on here. Tim, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, what do, what do we even do with all this inf information? We're just in a rock and a hard place right now. You know, this is the reason why Bitcoin exists. This is this is it, and, and uh, we were talking about it on the the planning table this morning. We were talking about you know why why did Janet Yellick come out and say sorry? And I know Jeb, you summed it up and you you wrapped it up why she's saying it. This is what it comes down to. Really simple. We're gonna take this back down to uh, and it's something a five year old would understand. There's there's two types of apologies, and every five year old knows this. There is the very sincere apologetic. Uh, I repent. I was wrong man, I'm going to do better and I'm going to fix myself. That That's the that's the type of apology. When you get taught as a five-year-old to say sorry, that's what we're trying to get you to say. The other is, uh, oopsie, I got caught. I don't like this. Uh, sorry. And that's exactly what we just had happen from Janet Yellen and the U.S. government on this issue. The other thing to take this to where, yeah, I'm not a five-year-old to understand this, but I think a five-year-old to understand this. This has a lot of the same feels of, you know, I grew up here in Florida. I grew up right in Brandon. Brandon, for anyone who knows the area, is kind of sitting in a corner between 75 and I-4. I-4 is notoriously one of the most, uh, has one of the most car wrecks on it, you know. I-4 or it, I-10? I-4. I-10 is up north. Oh, okay. I-4 is down. I'm talking about Tampa area. So where 75 and I-4 kind of go, they cross. <laughs> there was, I remember I was like 13 years old. 13 years old, they tried to do a controlled burn. And they lost control of it. It jumped the interstate. It caused, I believe it was like a 130 car pile up. Oh, wow. Uh, it lit the other side. Just so you guys know, that area is notorious for growing uh, orange uh, orange trees and strawberry plants. Mm -hmm. it, it burned several farms, did a lot of stuff. But it, but anyway, so th the control burn got out of control. And of course, you know, they come out and say, we're so sorry about this, yada, yada, yada. We just saw that. That's what Janet Yellen's apologizing for. 
when we had the pandemic hit and when we started to issue these checks, and by the way, just so you guys know, I, we don't want to plant sides and say this was the left. So the, it started during the, when the right was in power. It kind of continued as the left gained power. This is the whole system. The whole political system did this. They issued out these things and they said they knew there was going to be consequences. But in their mind, this was a controlled burn. We have a massive pandemic going on right now. There are people out of work. There are people who are, are, are concerned on how they're going to feed their family. And I understand the thought of we need to help people. But those of us who understood what was happening knew we will pay for this later. The government even knew it. You, there, yeah. there are consequences of a controlled burn to the environment. But they know, hey, the, the benefits of this is going to outweigh the negatives. We need to do this. But what happens when that fire gets out of control and jumps the interstate or jumps into a, a zone it really wasn't supposed to be in? All my, All the people out in California, you guys know what we're talking about as well. Yeah. You guys have lived that day in and day out. That's what we're seeing happen with money. And Janet Yellen coming out and saying sorry is her confirming, guys, the fire just jumped the interstate. Yep. We do not have control of this anymore. We are sorry. Oopsie. Please, you know, give me more time to work on it. But ultimately, there's nothing I can do about it. If Bitcoin did not exist, we would find something else. Maybe we would go back to gold. Maybe there'd be some form of new something else that we would find, hey, right now, fiat currency, soft money, inflation, inflationary money is not working. We just jumped the interstate with this fire and we're going to burn unless we find something. The world, the law of economics, we are going to flow from something soft to hard during situations like this, right? We're going to go somewhere. Bitcoin is set up in the perfect perfect spot to take the weight of the economic downside. It's not new. Like if this had happened 12 years ago, you could say as great as Bitcoin was, Bitcoin's so young, it's so new, can people really trust it? Bitcoin has had its time to develop, to build, to grow, for people to educate themselves on it. And people need to learn more about it, but there's enough out there about Bitcoin that the masses are starting to say, hey, I, I think Bitcoin's solid, I think it's there. The question is, when are we gonna switch? Events like this, where we had the fire jump the interstate, and it's out of control is when the world moves to hard money and guess what Bitcoin set itself up for? It's sitting in the perfect spot at the just right time that I believe, I'm not saying within the next week or the next couple of months, I'm saying this season, meaning the next year or so, watch a lot of people start to learn more about Bitcoin to prepare themselves to a transition. Because right now, cash is king. Ultimately, the US dollar is going to gain some value. We're watching that happen. Despite the fact that the US dollar is dying, every other currency is dying faster, it's picking up value. That's just what's happening. But it's a season, it's almost like a bull trap of the US dollar that the dollar's gonna shoot up, it's gonna have some value, and it's just the, the fire is just too great. It's gonna crash and something has to take its place. Something with hard sound soundness to it, to its money, that's Bitcoin. So when we say what is the future of Bitcoin, what does it look like, what's gonna impact it, this inflation and the lack of the central authority's ability to control inflation on every front is going to it's not a question of, oh, should we? It's like we have to go to Bitcoin. There's no solution. If we wanna stop people from starving, if we wanna stop people from being put out on the streets, we have to to move to something sound. And the only real thing that we see right now that would make sense is Bitcoin. So here's why this is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. We've seen the M1 money supply, as I told you guys, remember it was sitting at 4,000, 4, which is measured in billions. So we're looking at 4 trillion. Um, it jumped from 4,000, which is actually 16,000 up here, because remember there was a reclassification, jumped from 16,000 all the way up to 20,000, about 21,000. That's 21 trillion. So about 16 trillion to 21 trillion. That means that there was about a doubling in the money supply in two years. 
interest rates on the U.S. At, for the United States are at 1%. Interest rates in the Eurozone are at 0%. By the way, there was just as much printing going on in the Eurozone. So make no mistake that they're not impact, impacted by this either. They are. Inflation in the U.S. is sitting at 8% year over year. That we've probably seen maybe reported 12% inflation since the beginning of the pandemic from all of this money printing, from the shutdowns in the economy. By the way, the shutdowns in the economy cause inflation on their own. That, that, that a lot, if you didn't print a dollar, that would have caused inflation in the prices just because it makes it more difficult to run the economy. So naturally, prices are going to go up. And, and it takes time for that to rectify itself. That can rectify itself. The printing of the money cannot rectify itself unless you take the money out of the economy. That's the problem. If you see inflation from a hiccup in the economy, well, not a hiccup, but a travesty in the economy, like shutting it down for a year, that can actually rectify itself because things can quote unquote go back to normal in that, at least somewhat, somewhat back to normal. When you print money, unless you take the money out of the system, you can't fix that. They're not going to start burning money. They're not going to do that. They're only going to print more. They're never going to make, they're never going to take more money out of the system than they put into the system. They've never done that since they started printing money like crazy as they have for a long time. What's my point here? We've probably seen 12% inflation since the beginning of all this printing. We've seen over a doubling in the currency supply. So you see the difference there. Over a doubling in the money supply, only 12% inflation. Shouldn't we see 100% inflation? If we've seen a doubling in the money supply, shouldn't we see the currency's value go down by half, which would translate as 100% inflation, right? Well, by the way, we're still printing money, so it's not like that's gone away. They're trying to taper that, but it's still being printed at a historic rate. We're also still seeing interest rates being basically at zero, which is not helping at all to slow down the inflation. The inflation is going to continue to the upside. There's a few things going on here. Number one, a lot of people say, oh, we're, we may be entering a recession next quarter. Bogus. If you use 2020's dollars and you don't allow for all the inflation that's taking place, we've been in a recession for two years. We are in a recession. How can you look at what's going on with prices and say, oh, we're not in a recession? Because the, te because the economists technically define it as two, year, as two quarters of negative GDP growth. Well, two quarters of negative GDP growth doesn't make any sense when you are using a currency that's being inflated at 50% a year. That inflation is taking place. It's just not showing up in the reported inflation data. It is a skewed metric. It is ridiculous. You cannot double the money supply and not see a cutting in half of the value of the currency. You are going to see dozens more percentage of inflation take place over the next several years. You're going to see it hit 20%. You're going to see it hit 30%. Behind the scenes, when they're not reporting it, you might see it hit 50% a year. Now, it might not be reported that high. I would say it's probably more like 20% right now than 8.3%, which is what they were reporting. By the way, they get this number from three different people. Two of them said 8%. One of them said 12%. More inclined to agree with that organization. The point here is that this is going to get worse before it gets mm -hmm. better. And what side of history are you going to be on? Are you going to be on the sinking ship that's the U.S. dollar? Or are you going to jump ship over to Bitcoin? That albeit is getting rained on right now. But I'd rather be on the ship that's in a storm than the ship that's going down the drain. That's where I would rather be. And also, here's the thing. Over the next two years, as this starts to get worse before it gets better, you are going to see a lot of people flee Bitcoin because they don't understand that that's where they should be standing. They've been standing on that ship the US, the US dollar, the USS US dollar their entire life, and they feel comfortable there. They think it's okay because they're a frog in boiling water, and they don't realize that they got to get out of the pot and get into the ship that is Bitcoin. And some people are going to go down with that ship, and they're going to lose their life savings, and it's going to be terrible. But enough people, and I hope that you in this chat are one of them, are going to realize that the only place that you can safely stand of any asset class in the world right now is Bitcoin. You have nowhere else to go. 
I'm sorry, but your currency, ha- your, fi- your, your finances, your wealth has nowhere else to go if you want to stop losing value. You might look at Bitcoin and say, oh, it's down 60%. What do you mean I have nowhere else to go that's not going to lose value? I'm talking about you go from today to June 1st, 2032. Where are you going to not lose value? There's only one place, in my opinion, and it's Bitcoin. So why Bitcoin? Because everything else is failing. Why is everything else failing? Because a pandemic caused our governments to go and try and steal from the future, even just two years from the future, to fix today, as in two years ago. And sure, people got stimulus checks. Sure, that helped people be able to pay their rent. That's great. I love that people were able to pay their rent. But the way that we did it was we took from the future, and now we're reaping the we're reaping uh, we're paying the consequences of that. So where are you going to stand? That's the question. Are you going to stand with Bitcoin or are you going to stand on the failing systems? Now, I'm not saying they can't get inflation under control and get it back down to 1% or 2%, but not before the currency loses 50, 60, 70, 80% of its value. They might be able to get it to be stable at 20 cents on the dollar, but that's going to take three, four, five years more than likely. So don't expect this to get better before it gets, don't expect this to get better soon. It's going to get worse and then it's going to get better. And for you Bitcoin traders, that will have a negative impact on the Bitcoin price over the next two to three years, maybe as people are, are, are finding it harder to come up with the cash to invest in Bitcoin. But in the long run, this will be the biggest single proof of concept that Bitcoin has ever gone through. And this will send Bitcoin to a million dollars by the end of the decade. I can all but promise that. Mm. Tim, any final thoughts here? Man, I think I think we you wrap it up there. You know, that's this is this is what Bitcoin was made for. The Bullcrank. season we're about to go in it, and that doesn't mean the Bitcoin price is going to go up. You know, I think we even specified a little earlier. This is the fundamental buildings of Bitcoin, not the technical buildings. Doesn't mean price has to respond immediately, but watch it respond here over the next couple of months, years. And I know that no one wants to hear, no one wants to hear what it's going to do a year from now. Uh, but that's the way we got to get our brain into thinking. It's about how we how we view the future. Just so you guys know, that's how the institutions, that's how the whales do it. That's that's why they can they can accept dips from time to time in their holdings because they are looking at the future. If us as retailers can think the same way, we will prepare ourselves uh, for we will prepare ourselves to actually have wealth. Like I, just ask a lot of people who have been in Bitcoin for a long time. The, the realness of knowing if you're in something that's good or not is what are you looking like five years after investing. That's right. Uh, and anyone who invested five years ago in chat right now could say, amen, Tim, you're absolutely right. <laughs> amen, I don't regret Tim, a minute. Right. So, <laughs> I was here almost five years ago. Almost five, yeah, and, and you yeah. 3,000. Yeah, it, Bitcoin's we're at 3, not 000. going down to three thousand. So this guess guess what? Five years from now, people are gonna be like, "Oh, you bought in at sixty nine. You bought in at thirty. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. I'm hoping to get in around three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. So that, that to be honest with you, that might be without Bitcoin moving an inch. That would just be from inflation. So here's some applications and some takeaways I want you guys to have. Number one, be sure to watch our coverage on the 9th when the ECB comes out with um, their decision because it looks like they're going to be potentially raising interest rates for again the first time in eleven years. That would be that would be a shot heard around the world as far as inflation and interest rates are concerned. Number two, make sure you understand how central bank rates affect markets. There are links in the descriptions down below. They will explain that. Tim did a video on that a while ago. It was really good. Yeah. Also, on top of that, interest rates dominate markets during crisis and recovery phases. The reason you keep hearing us talking about interest rates and inflation is because they are so important. The entire economy is founded on those two numbers, so make sure you watch that. Also, make sure you're doing what the people are doing right now in Bitcoin. Make sure you're holding Bitcoin and cash. Believe it or not, holding money in the U.S. dollar right now is probably more stable than holding it in a lot of altcoins. I don't like the idea of holding it in the U.S. dollar. Definitely consider holding a good portion of it in Bitcoin. But as far as hedging against the altcoins, because a lot of them are going to get wrecked, it's not a bad idea to stay in cash because over the next year, you're not going to see a crazy amount of inflation. A lot of this is going to take multiple years. Bitcoin 
Bitcoin's probably the best place to stand. Believe it or not, cash is probably better than a lot of the altcoins right now. Inflation is taking center stage around the world. You're going to need to pay close attention to it, and we'll be making sure to keep you guys up to date here. Let's read any more super chats that we have before yeah, we wrap it out. I actually don't think we have any super chats. I, don't know if we do. I, I think I think that we wrapped them all there. If you guys have any more, you want to give. Uh, what I'm really hoping that people did was they, they said went straight they to took them. what you said and they said I'm going to go to that link. Yeah. I put a I put a link. I'll put it again. Uh, I put a link to a video uh, uh, that tells you more about that ministry, uh, Life of the Innocent, and I can put that in chat again right now. Give me a second. You guys are going to see this delayed a little bit. Uh, it's a Vimeo.com video. But, you know, one thing, before we uh, start to get there, in case any Super Chats come up, going back to the charts, May, you can go to my chart. Uh, this, I'm not saying... I'm not saying we're not going to go any further down to the downside. However, in case you guys are wondering, during all that conversation, we made it all the way down to 30,900. 30, uh, and uh, and I told you guys before we went into that conversation, watch this volume uptick. This is a 15-minute chart. Again, you know, a lot of times we spend a lot of time on the four-hourly and on the uh, daily and stuff. But you're even starting to see this volume uptick on the hourly chart. But you, you're seeing it very clearly here on the 15-minute chart, this massive volume histogram along with this... I'm not saying every time there's not 100%, but we're low on the RSI, we're low on the MACD, we have a massive amount of volume coming in that we have not had in over 24 hours versus the last time we saw it was kind of telling us, hey guys, we got a, we got a kind of a top going on over here. I'm not going to be surprised when we see these candle bodies with these wicks if we see that the price starts to move to the upside. I'm not saying we're shooting up to 37 today. That's what everyone wants. They want, they want 37 to happen now. It's going to be some volatility time, but... This is just a cool TA thing. Watch watch these tips. Watch this volume tick up to kind of give you some indicators about some reversals. Uh, let's see how that plays out the rest of the day. Uh, while I was doing that, does any? Yeah, we had a, Two more a super, super chat come in. All right, Matt C. said, I just wanted to thank everyone for their donations today. It's so encouraging to see this type of generosity, yeah. especially for such a noble cause. What an amazing community. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Definitely. Mike Markle also said, watch the new Between Two Coins. Really cool NFT episode of one of the, my favorite NFT projects on Cardano. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we got to interview Jim from Invaders. Invaders, there you go guys well make sure that you uh check out the link down below and go donate to life for the innocent yeah. and uh, again all super chats every single penny that we receive from super chats will be going directly to life for the innocent thank you guys so much for watching make sure to also stay tuned for club DeFi announcements because those 200 seats filled up every single one of them is now gone now it was closed at midnight last night anyway but it, we filled up every single seat so guys thank you so very much if you are in club DeFi and you have not joined the discord server make sure to check out uh the website there is a way to link your discord so that you can join the discord server if you need any help with that uh the best place to go right now i believe is supportercryptojeb.com we're going to be making yep. a video on how to link that it's pretty straightforward we're going to be making a video on that at some point in the future so make sure that you join the discord server and come at me at uh, cryptojeb and I'll give you a shout out in the in the Discord. Go ahead, Tim. Also, we're going to do a much better job of this because tomorrow, guess what tomorrow is? It is Thursday. It is Thursday, my dudes. And it, it also is, is our community stream. Woo! Right after the stream, we'll go probably go live for about 20 to 30 minutes or so after the stream. So if you are a member, you get to be in that. If you want to be in that, Hit the you know hit that join button right there if you're watching on a computer there's a join button right below the like speaking of like dislikes there's only 583 likes we got like 1500 people on, watching what we can we definitely get more likes like there. we can do way better than that but then but then also if you want to do hey just give it a month see if you even like see if you want to be a part of what we're doing here yeah. again it helps us it helps us create this content that we bring you guys day in and day out to make sure you are up to date on everything you need to know, need to know about Bitcoin and crypto uh, and it you know I feel like we're cool guys you can come hang out with us in a little cat manner that's right uh, absolutely so, yeah
going to be a lot of fun. Well, guys, I am actually doing an interview here in an hour, and you guys will be seeing that on a pretty big channel here on the YouTubes relatively soon. So be on the lookout for that in the next couple of weeks. I will announce what that is on Twitter. So make sure you check that out. Check us out over at CryptoJev, over on Instagram and Twitter, at CryptoJevOfficial, over on TikTok. Make sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the post notification button so that you're updated every single time we go live. We do Coffee and Crypto 10 a.m. Eastern every single weekday, except for Memorial Day. We didn't do it on Memorial Day because, you know, we're thanking our, our veterans. But guys, that's all we got for you today. Before I go, I do just first want to thank each and every single last one of you for watching, as always, and for signing up for Lux Algo. And I will see you guys in the next video. Peace. listening to the Coffee and Crypto Podcast. Tune in every day at 9.30 a.m. Eastern to watch live on YouTube. Follow us on our social media accounts at CryptoJeb. And lastly, we want to thank you for supporting us here at MacFee Media.